Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Let's give the band just another hand this morning. What a beautiful, beautiful job they do leading us in worship. And uh, man, what a, what a joy it is to know that uh, one day uh, that we'll stand joyously before the throne of Christ. And, and in that, it won't be that we will rejoice in anything that we have done that has made uh, us, uh, made it possible for us to be in the presence of God, but we will rejoice in the cross of Christ and the work uh, that is finished. So grateful uh, that it is done and that there is no more debt uh, that we owe and that the very righteousness of Christ has been credited to those who believe and trust in him. What a joy. Uh, that is, we're so grateful that you are here. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you uh, are a guest with us, we, uh, we're so grateful that you have uh, joined us this morning and uh, that you are worshiping with us, whether it be online or in uh, this room. And if you are, uh, are a guest, we'd love for you to take a moment and, and take one of the Connect cards from the back of one of the seats and just uh, fill that out. Let us know of your time with us. We'd love to send you uh, just a, a gift that can be an encouragement to you uh, along your walk, and you can turn that in to one of our uh, host team as you leave, and they'll uh, get you a, a small gift, and then we'll send some things by email uh, as well. We promise not to like show up at your house or anything like that unless you request it, so uh, don't worry about that. Also, prayer requests, if you uh, have ways that we could be praying for you, uh, we'd love for you to take one of those cards and just let us know uh, of those uh, prayer needs, and we as a staff will pray over those and be glad to include those in our uh, church prayer list, and you can drop those. Uh, there's an offering box uh, on the, uh, at the exit, and you can drop those uh, in there or give them to some of our host team uh, as well. Uh, again, so grateful for uh, just all that Christ has done uh, in our place through the cross. And I want to invite you, we're uh, walking through the book of Philippians, and we are just walking through uh, this beautiful uh, letter that Paul has written to what I believe is his favorite church. I don't know if you're supposed to have favorites, but man, when I look at this letter, right, it's evident that Paul is just rejoicing. This is a letter uh, that is filled with joy, and there's a joy that we see in this letter that, uh, that is possible regardless of the circumstances that we're in. It's a joy uh, that is found resting in Christ and the work that he has done. Uh, it is this joy that we have in knowing uh, that uh, the best is yet to come, that we would see in this, this book that we are citizens of a different kingdom and we find ourselves in the midst of this world and this broken world and we face trials and we face tribulations, uh, but we have an overcoming Savior. And we're going to see Paul continue just to rejoice. He, as we opened up this uh, book last week, as we opened up this beautiful letter, Paul is just overflowing with joy for the partnership in the gospel that this church at Philippi has uh, from the beginning, right? He says from the beginning until now. And, and so he is rejoicing in just the continued work of Christ among them. And, and we're going to jump in in verse 6, and, and it really continues uh, this same thought of this partnership in the gospel, and then Paul's rejoicing in what uh, Christ has already done, what he knows, and what he is confident that Christ will do, and, and we're just going to lean in together with that. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, all the way to verse 11. If you would, stand with me uh, just in honor of the reading of God's infallible and inerrant uh, word. Beginning in verse 6, you'll see these also on uh, the screen, but the Apostle Paul writes these words, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day 
of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you, about you all, because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness. How I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful. God, we're thankful for this letter to the church at Philippi, Lord, and this reminder uh, that Paul uh, gives us, that it gives us so much truth about your character and who you are. God, this reminder that, uh, that our righteousness and the standing that we have before you is not because of any work that we have done. It is not because of our merit, but it is because of the all-sufficient merit of Christ on the cross. It is because of the spotless lamb that, that stepped into the very midst of a broken world, the one that has uh, existed for all eternity, that entered into the midst of time, that he took on flesh and dwelt among us. And as your word says, Lord, we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And here we see in this letter uh, that Paul writes, Lord, that you have a desire, God, that this church might walk in, in the knowledge of grace and truth. And he is confident that you, Lord, who began this good work in them would see it through into, the, to the, into completion in the day of Christ Jesus. And I'm so grateful, Lord, as we gather as your people here at Cowie, Lord, that I'm thankful, Lord, that you're going to see this work that you started in us yes. to completion, Lord, in Christ. And we're grateful, uh, God, that it's, not, uh, that it's not us that will strive and somehow uh, earn our way into your presence, Lord, but it is us who will rest and abide in you. And God, that you will do a work in us and through us that will be evident of your grace and your mercy. Lord, do that today. God, help us. If there's someone here that doesn't know you, God, we pray that today would be the day of salvation, that they would see uh, and hear the good news of your gospel and that they would turn uh, in repentance and surrender to you, God, and that you would begin a good work in them. God, that we could be confident, would change them from the inside out with a righteousness that is not our own. Lord, we thank you for that, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. You may be seated this morning. Uh, thank you for that. You know, I was thinking about this, this passage, and I was thinking about uh, just life a little bit, and I was looking around my house, and yesterday we had, we had kind of a crazy weekend that was coming up, and we had this blessing of being able to, to chaperone uh, the prom, and uh, we're missing a little bit of our student section this morning. I think maybe they, uh, they need more sleep than the old guy, right? And so... Uh, we, I know, and so there, I don't know where, they, so, so we had this, this prom thing we got to be at, and uh, had the joy of just being part of some other things this weekend, and so I knew it was going to be crazy, so I got up early, and I was trying to help, and uh, just help with some things around the house, and you know, as Paul was super grateful for this partnership in the gospel that he had, and that he saw in this church at Philippi, my wife and I, we have a, a partnership in some of the work that needs to be done, and so we try to work together uh, to do some of those things, and on Friday evening, uh, knowing things were busy, we were like, okay, there's these things we want to get done, and so it uh, hurts her back to mop, so we share uh, in some of that work, she's vacuuming. I'm mopping. And, and you know, Paul writes to this, uh, this church at Philippi, and, and, and as he begins this letter, he says to all the saints who are 
Uh, in Philippine, we said last week that anyone who is a, a believer in Jesus Christ, that they're a saint. Now, here's the thing. Uh, we we kind of think of that. We talked last week. We think of that as those people that are, you know, way far along in these sweet little old ladies or these sweet kind of moments like that. But we recognize that he's referring to all those who are in Christ. And we are saints, uh, not because we've uh, attained this special uh, spiritual maturity, but we are saints because we've been made right with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But as I was watching and looking around, I was reminded that my wife is a saint. Like, you know, I started this work and so my job was to mop. And so I was mopping and then uh, my phone kind of buzzed and I looked at it. And then all of a sudden I skipped like this one big section and I had no idea. And I'm going back and she, you know, reminds me, she's like, I don't think you got over there. And so I'm, so I go back and I'm getting there. And then I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, that little like squirrel and you just kind of look, that's that's my brain, right? And I, and I don't know how to help that. Like, I, I have to be very, very intentional, right, just to remain focused. I have to remove all distractions. But the problem is that most of the time, I don't do that. And so I'm mopping away. I'm doing that. I get all but the utility room done. Something else happens. I have no idea even what it was at that moment. But I remember leaning the mop up right beside the utility room. And I said, I'll finish that in a minute. And I started something else. And then I got up the next morning and I'm like, I never finished this over here. And then I went outside and as I walked around the yard, I looked out and there was this tree uh, that I'd cut last year. And as I was looking at this tree, it was laying uh, down in the middle uh, kind of of the, the lower area. It's not like right where we're at, but it's not... I mean, it's been there for a little while, and I'm thinking, you know, I probably need to finish cutting up that tree. Some of you guys can relate to this, right? You think, you see that. Uh, you know, I, and then I, I go into uh, my basement, and as I open that door, I look, and there is my prized, uh, one of my prized possessions, right? This 1967 Ford Mustang that I have owned since I was 16 years old, right? And I'm excited about this car, and one day, I'm going to drive it and fix it where I can come here uh, in it. And, uh, and my wife looks at it sometimes and she's like, you know, are you ever going to work on that car? I'm like, of course I am. I'll finish that sometime. I'll finish that sometime. Right? You can relate to some of those things. And I'm thinking, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that I've started that I've never really uh, saw to completion. There's a lot of things like that. And my mind is easily distracted. And there's a reason, like, like if you're wondering, like, is that Mustang going to be done? You, you're probably not going to be like, I am confident that this Mustang is going to be finished in the next year. Because you know that I'm distracted and you know that all those things. But Paul writes and he says, I'm confident uh, of this, right? And, and I'm so thankful. I'm thankful as I look at this body of believers uh, that gathers here. I'm so thankful uh, for what God has begun in us and what he continues to work in us. If I'm honest, when I look at myself, there's this reality that, you know, I look through my life and as I look back, and some of you may relate with this, I'm not where I used to be, but then there's this reality that I'm, I'm not where I'm supposed to be either. You know, sometimes we, we have this picture that, that we think that in the midst of this, this broken life and in the midst of our flesh that we're going to reach this this attaining of this sinless perfection. But the apostle Paul said, not that I've already attained it, but he said, this one thing I do, I press on and I reach and I stretch for, for this prize, right? And I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. And we understand that until we are in his presence one day, that we are not going to reach perfection. But we're going to see Paul is looking for something here. And in this letter, we're going to see there's a direction that these believers are going. And it is evident that God is at work in them. You know, we walk through trials. Sometimes we have these trials that happen in our life, and we recognize that our great God uh, is working in the midst of those. James would say, consider it pure joy, 
the trials of your faith. And we're thinking, man, this is a letter about joy. And then James says, consider it joy, the trials. And so when we are walking through those trials, James would look uh, and write uh, and say, listen, if you are walking through those trials, if anyone lacks wisdom, if you don't understand why you're going through those things, if you don't understand what's happening in those things, he would say, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask that God would reveal that. And so in the midst of these trials, I'm saying, God, you know, what is it that you want to do in me, Lord? I don't want to waste any of the things that we walk through in this life because I know you're at work and we know that there's this work that God is doing that, that once we are in Christ and we are born again into the family of God, that we are saved, that God is doing a work in us to cause us to look like him, to conform us to the image of Christ. And he does this and he's working all things together for good. He's working all things toward that. And I'm like, God, what is, what is it that you're doing? What is it that you're working in the midst of these trials? And as we open this, this letter, as we look at verse 6, Paul writes to this church he loves, and, and he begins to tell them that he is confident. He says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. In the, in the Greek, this word is, is patho, and it, it means uh, to be persuaded, to be fully convinced. So Paul writes to them and he says, I'm fully convinced. I'm fully persuaded. I am confident. I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. He is confident. Paul is confident that they will be made complete in Christ because of Christ. See, he, he is confident that God is doing a work in them, and God calls us as followers of Jesus Christ not to be confident in our flesh, but to be confident in the work that God is doing in us. We were to be confident of him. Paul was excited. You know, he was excited about what God had done in Philippi. He was excited as he looked back and he thought about those moments. He would talk about remembering them, and he was confident. He would look back, and he was confident of what God had began in this church. And when you think about the work of God in this this is not the, the reason that there's a church at Philippi is not because of, of a couple of people who were just holier than the normal people that were in Philippi. No, the reason there's a church in Philippi is because we see Paul going the other way and, and, and the God of glory and, and, and greatness says, we need a church in Europe. And he says, you may be going this direction, but he gives him a vision and he sends him on the Macedonian way. And there's this church that is birthed in Europe. And we read uh, that there's a, a lady that is uh, praying and, and Paul shares the gospel by the river. And there's a, a lady, Lydia, that comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And God continues to work in her. And we see uh, in, in this, this beautiful picture of praising God in the midst of the storm, that at midnight, there's, some, uh, there's a, a, a jailer, this Philippian jailer that comes to faith in Christ, him and his household, and they're baptized. And by the time Paul's writing this letter, there are overseers and there are deacons and there are people. This church has been growing. And Paul says, listen, I'm excited about what God has, has done already. I'm excited about what God is doing, but he says, I'm confident in what God will do. I'm confident in what he's going to do. And when I look at this assembled body of believers at Cowie, and I think about all that God's done, I thank God that there was a man named Humphrey Posey, that God placed a, a, a burden on his heart to come and place and plant a church right here in the midst of Cowie Valley. And the, the, the 
words that we would read about that time was that he would look at this area and he would see that the fields were fertile for cultivation and harvest. And what we would know is that in 1828, a church birthed in Cowie Valley. And we look back and we're so thankful for what God did in those moments. And we look today and we celebrate that people's lives are being changed and that we've seen baptisms and salvations and we see God continuing to work. And we're so grateful for the work that God is doing, is doing in these present moments and the work that I see God doing in the midst of this body of believers, but we are expectant and we are confident that God is not finished with us and that we can look ahead and know that if we will rest in him, that God will continue the work that he has started. Paul's excited. He says, he who began a good work in you, he will see it through to completion. He was excited about those moments, right? He was excited. And we see this fellowship that's around the gospel that has happened there. He's confident. And we look at this, he said that he who began a good work in you, it's God that began the work. And, and even when we, you know, we see this in the, this context of this partnership in the gospel, and there's a, a look at this in a church perspective, but we see this in our individual lives as well, right? We see, and we understand that it is the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin. It is the Holy Spirit, uh, and, and in response to the conviction of sin, we respond in repentance and faith to the good news of the gospel. The scripture would tell us in Romans uh, chapter uh, number 10, right, that, 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 we, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We hear the good news of the gospel. Uh, we see that God in the power of his spirit, he, he gives, convicts us of our sin. The Bible says that we are all uh, sinful and we're separated from God because of our sin, that there's none righteous, not even one. We, we, we recognize those, those places in the Holy Spirit. It convicts us of sin. Our response is repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit converts sinners to saints, right? There's nothing that any of us can do uh, to give ourselves a new heart. There's nothing that any of us can do to change ourselves from the inside out. And, and, and so we hear the good news of the gospel. We respond in repentance and faith. Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. The Holy Spirit converts us uh, from sinners to saints. And we see this beautiful work. Warren Wearsby describes God's work in this way. He said, there's a work God does for us in salvation. There's a work God does in us called sanctification is the Holy Spirit uh, convicts us and continues to, uh, to reveal to us those places where we're going our own way. Uh, there's this practice like we repent of our sin when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And as we grow in the grace and knowledge of who Jesus is, that's not the only time we repent, right? Our practice of repentance continues uh, as the Holy Spirit works in our life. And then there's this work that God does through us as we serve him and as we share the good news of the gospel. So we praise God for what he's done. We praise God for what he's going to do. You know, as I was looking around, uh, I told you a few years ago as we were walking through some scripture that there was one piece of siding on the end of my house that uh, I was, when we were building our house like 18 years ago, I had to move my ladder and I liked one piece of siding. We we're doing some work and I had to do something kind of uh, instantly. And I said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to put that last piece of siding on. I'll put that ladder up and I'll do that. And as I was out in my yard, I kind of looked up at that siding. I hadn't looked at it in a long time. And there's still one piece of siding. <laughs> at the top of my house that needs to be finished, right? There's still that one piece that's there. And I don't really have any confidence that I'll ever finish that one thing. I really don't. 
I'm just going to say, I really don't. I may never do that. It took me, uh, it took me a long time to finish one room uh, in the basement. I, I, may, uh, I may never, I, I believe one of these days I'll get my old car out, but it may not ever be uh, complete. And the reason that that is going to be that way is because of who I am. But I'm confident in this, that, that, that our great God, that he will finish what he started. And one great day, all those who are in Christ Jesus will be made perfect in his sight. And, and he will... Uh, will make us holy and blameless before them, not because of anything we've done, but because of the work of Christ. And God is the only grounds of my confidence. God is the only grounds that I stand and know that one day I'll stand before the Father, holy and blameless before him because of what Christ has done in my place. And Paul says in verse 7, he says, now it's only right. He says, now when you hear this, you're thinking, well, how can Paul be so confident about these people? I'm going to show you. He says this, it's only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart at the center of my being and everything about me. I have you. We are knit together. We are connected in that way since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. He says they're at work uh, about the Father's business. He sees them working in defense and in confirmation and pro- proclaiming the gospel. They didn't see, they weren't fair weather friends as, as Paul was in prison. They didn't say, well, uh, I was expecting that following Jesus would result in something a whole lot different than imprisonment. So this must not be for me. No, as Paul went through difficult times, they're continuing to walk with him. They're continuing to support him. And he says, you all... He said, you are partakers of grace with me. See, Paul's confident that they are in Christ because of their commitment to Christ. You know, we read in the book of James that faith without works is dead. It's not our works that, uh, that, that are what earns our way uh, for salvation. The scripture says that it's by grace that we are saved. That it is by grace through faith, not of yourselves. He says, this is a gift of God, not of works. Lest anyone should boast. Listen, none of us come boastful. We will not stand before the very throne room of heaven and boast in anything that we have done. But we will stand and we will rejoice and we will boast and we will glory in the cross of Christ. And he is confident, though, that because of the work in them, that there is work happening through them. He is confident because of their commitment to Christ. He calls us to be confident of his work in us. But the second thing, he calls us to be careful that his work is in us. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. He said, examine yourselves. Look at yourselves. See if there's evidence of salvation in your life. Hebrews 3 would tell us that we've become partakers of Christ. If we hold fast from the beginning, our assurance firm unto the end. And I want to encourage you that endurance is the evidence of salvation in our lives. Now, I'm not talking about sinless perfection, but I'm talking about direction. And if, if the God of heaven takes up residence inside your soul, there will be change in your life. We will stray. There will be moments, but the Holy Spirit will be, continue to work in our lives and draw us and, 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 and convict us of those sins. So we see this endurance, right? Endurance is the evidence of, of what God is doing in our lives. And he said, it's only right for me to feel this way. You're partakers He said, there's this fellowship in the gospel and your witness and your work, it's continued. This is years later and this church is continuing to go and he is confident that they will be made complete in Christ because of Christ. He is confident and and he, he desires that they would be committed to his work through them, right? He, he calls them, he calls us to be committed to his work through us. 
And when we look at this church, when we look at this letter, we're going to see this letter was, was partly written as a thank you letter for their generosity. And so how could Paul see uh, the consistency and, and that the gospel had changed their life? One of the ways is there was consistent generosity, right? This, this church would continue to support Paul. This church would continue to give to the work that Paul was doing, right? There was this, this sacrificial giving that was because of their faith. And they were willing to engage in this work together. They were partners in the gospel. The second thing, there was a convictional consistency in their life. And when Paul looked at this church, they were a people who were willing to stand for Jesus. They were willing to pay a price for their faith. Now they lived, they were a Roman colony and in the context of of, uh, this time, the emperor, they would have been expected uh, to worship him as a God. They uh, They would have had to uh, to, to engage that way, to conform to the culture that was around them, but they were willing, right, to pay a price for nonconformity to the culture. And here's this thing, as you examine your lives, right, partnership in the gospel is evident by the price where you're willing to pay for the cause of the gospel. And it's going to cost us. Here's the thing. We, we want this to be very easy. And, you know, I was, I was blessed to be with our prom students last night, and I couldn't have been prouder of a group of students from Cowie and the way that they carry themselves and the, the choices that they were making and the way that they were engaging. I'm thankful uh, when I hear from teachers about those students that are leading Bible studies in locker rooms and that are sharing the good news of the gospel and that are, that are encouraging and that are wearing those three circle shirts, and you can find them in the hallway sharing the good news of the gospel. And there's an evidence, right? When you do that, you are not going to be accepted in our culture. You're going to find yourself uh, in in opposition to the culture. There are going to be things, there's going to be things that we stand for, for righteousness sake. And we're going to see this as we continue in this this passage, right? But Paul would write to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, I believe it's verse 12, he would write to him and he would say, all those all those, and we would hear that in this room, all of us who would desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus. And, and if you look at that verse, it doesn't say might face persecution. It says all those who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will face persecution. And if we're not facing any persecution, we are probably in many ways keeping our faith private. We are probably in many ways not standing for the truth in the midst of a broken world. We are in many ways maybe compromising to the things of our culture, but they had a convictional consistency. And he is confident that they are in Christ because there is a conviction in them to stand for Christ. If you look at the very end of this chapter, verse 28 and 29, there's, there's a beautiful uh, just description of some of that. Paul writes and he says, in no way alarmed by your opponents. They had opponents. They were facing difficulty. He said, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you. And that too from God. For to you, it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his name. And when someone is willing to stand for truth and righteousness and pay a price for it, you can have confidence that God is at work in them. You can have confidence of that. I remember when I was in college, we had to do this presentation and there was a young man from Franklin named Jeff Clark was his name. I remember being in this class with him and we, we got to pick whatever we wanted to talk about. And I was lost uh, as you could get. And I can remember him standing before that class 
And everybody's talking about the weather, whatever they want to talk about. I don't remember what I even talked about, but I'll never forget when he got up in front of that class that day and he shared the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he called folks uh, to repentance and faith in him. And I'll tell you, when I looked and there were people that that may have persecuted him for that or looked down upon him and he may not have been accepted in every uh, place that other people were there, but I want you to know it was pleasing to God. And he was willing to stand for his faith and it was evidence of the confidence that God was at work in his life. Verse 8 we got to go quick. He said, for God is my witness. How I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul wishes he could be there. He says, I long to be there. He said, God is my witness. He knows that I long to be in your presence with the affection of Christ. My heart is to be with you. But Paul was in house arrest in Rome. And Paul says, I'm not going to whine about it. I'm going to write about it. And I'm going to send you a message. And listen, we got to be people. We've got this, this attitude sometimes that if everything's not going our way, that somehow we just stop and we just quiet down. And, and you know, I'm reminded uh, of of Paul, or excuse me, of, of Peter and John uh, in Acts when we would read about them and, and they would be proclaiming their faith in Christ and they would see uh, a man healed. Uh, they would see a man uh, that, that, that was lame, that now was walking and we would see them try to silence them. And listen, we live in a culture that is trying to silence us. We live in a culture that is trying to say, you know what, there's many roads that'll get you to heaven and there's many truths and there's many things. But what we would see in the scripture and what we would know is that there's only one way, there's only one one name under heaven whereby men must be saved. There's only one standard. His word is truth and we stand on it. And in those moments, they were trying to silence them. They were trying to shut them down. They said, you know what? We'll lock them up. We'll try to get them to be quiet. We'll threaten them. And, and we see uh, Peter and John say, you know what? Uh, whether it be right uh, in your sight or not for us to, uh, to, to bow down to you and to hearken unto you rather than God, you be the judge. But he said, we can't help but speak those things that we've seen and heard. Now, we need to be a people that have been changed by God's grace and that there's a boldness in us because of that. And that when we go out into this world, that that we uh, are sharing the love of Christ with truth and with grace. But we're a people that can't help but speak those things that we've seen and heard. And when we're those kind of people, there's evidence of God's work in our life. There's evidence of, of the change of what God is doing in their life. Verse nine, he said, in this I pray. This is really what he was praying. He said, that your love may abound Still more and more. But listen, this love wasn't just some kind of mamby-pamby, uh, just like, like this weird love kind of thing that's out there. He said, my desire is that your love would abound. And he said, your love's going to abound more in real knowledge. Listen, this real knowledge is the, is the truth of the Word of God. And he said, I, he said, I pray that your love would abound, but that it would be rooted in truth, and that it would be rooted in the grace of Christ, and there would be discernment in the way that you navigate. He said this, that you may. There's a reason for that, and we need to be in the Word of God, overflowing uh, in our lives, abounding in real knowledge and discernment as we live in the midst of this world, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. That word approve, it's this thought of examining or putting to test. He says that you might approve or examine or put to test. Listen, we we have a million choices, more than any generation, more uh, than anybody before us. We have technology at every door. We have the ability to get places fast. We have the ability to entertain ourselves and to spend our lives uh, in front of some self-pleasing way. We have this ability to saturate ourselves with things that mean nothing for the kingdom of God. We have this ability. Uh, to spend our lives and waste our lives in those ways. But he says, I want you to examine and you've got to put to test these things that you might 
approve the things that are excellent. He didn't just say that you might approve good things or that you might not do bad things. But Paul says, I pray that the love of God and the wisdom of God and the discernment of all those things would be so evident in your life that the decisions that you would make would be, and we're going to see next week, that the cause of the progress of the gospel is worth everything. And Paul's desire was that everything they did, that it would be rooted in this love and this desire that they might see the gospel go forth and that the important things, the excellent things would be the things that motivate them. And we've got to be people who will look at the things that are in this world and all the shinies and all the squirrels that distract me from so many things. And we've got to laser in because we're not completing, right? We, we get a million things going, right? And we get none of them done. When God's called us to one thing, as Paul said, and not that I've already attained it, but this one thing I do. This one thing I do. And in the midst of our lives, as we see the glory and grace of God, he would desire that there would be one thing that we would do. And that would be that we fix our eyes on him and that we would complete the work that he has called us to. That the love they have, that it would be rooted in truth and grace and love so that they would be found pure and blameless. The translation that you'll see is sincere and blameless. And some of the translations, it'll be pure uh, the word that is used there in the Greek was used in other places in that time to give this picture of without, uh, without wax is, is a word that it was used. And when we think about this, it's like, what in the world is that talking about? Well, they, the, the potters of that day are those that would make uh, this fine china or this fine dishes. They would take those things and they would make those and in the drying process and in, in that process, sometimes those thin uh, dishes, they would crack and they would uh, have uh, places that were of weakness in them. And some of the, the people that were there that would try to kind of pull that off, they were unethical and they wanted to sell those and they wanted to pass them off as being good. They would take wax and they would rub that on that crack and they would do that before they glazed it. And that wax would fill that hole and it would make it look like it was something on the outside, but on the inside it was weak and it was frail and it was ready uh, to break and it had no consistency in there. And the only way that you could understand whether or not this thing was sincere and whether or not that it was true and whether or not that it was pure is that you would hold this dish, the way that they would test that, they would hold it into the sunlight and they would look at that and the light would reveal the cracks that were in there. The light would reveal the consistency and the truth of this dish. And, and Paul is writing to them and he says that, that you might do those things in order to be sincere and blameless, that you might be found pure and blameless. See, God desires that we would stand the test, not that we would be perfect, that we would be sincere and blameless, not with this surface look of purity, not with this, the, the, one of the, the most damaging things to the cause of Christ, right, is those that, that might honor Jesus with their lips, but their hearts would be far from them. Those that might put on a, a pretty face and, and engage in certain ways. Those that might uh, have gone to the prom last night and dressed up. And as long as I was there, might have looked one way. But, but they had plans that were completely different afterwards. Maybe to go, they had sin on their calendar. There was, there was a, 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 a crack, right, that maybe couldn't be seen from the outside, but that could be revealed in the light. And it's my prayer that in the power of the Spirit of God, that the Holy Spirit might convict us of those places, that we might have an authentic, like, you know, the, the, the reality, are you in Christ this morning? When you hold yourself to the light, right? Not perfect, but he says that you might be found blameless, right? That you are, you are pursuing Christ. That, that your life is not some counterfeit Christianity 
that somehow fits in some kind of box for your parents or, for, or because of something else in your life. But there was an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ and held to the light. There are blemishes and there are problems, but those things are things that God is working on that he will complete in us. He says in verse 11, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness. Notice it doesn't say it comes through anything that we've done, but it comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's assurance that these Philippians would persevere was in the proof that their life provided. Paul's assurance that God would finish the work he started in them was in the evidence that he saw in their very lives. And maybe this morning when held up to the light, you might recognize that, man, there's wax covering all kinds of stuff. Maybe you're a believer in in Jesus, but you've been hiding things and you've been trying to look one way. And because of sin in your life, you've been hampered from sharing the gospel. You, you may live one way here. Your, your Saturday night, though, looks different. And because of that, the people that are closest to you, you don't even feel like you could share the gospel. Maybe, maybe you have a, a look here on a Sunday morning, but when you go into your workplace because of the, uh, the, the dirty jokes that you listen to or the things that you tell or the way that you live, uh, that, that, that you recognize, like, listen, that your testimony is being hindered. And maybe this morning when held up to the light, there's, there's things that God is revealing that we need to deal with. And I'm so grateful that our great God offers forgiveness and grace and mercy. Listen, he, he loves us the way we are, but he loves us. And, and, and as he loves us, he, he, he doesn't leave us in those places. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he will discipline those that he loves. He will work in our lives to conform us to the image of Christ. And sometimes that is not easy, but it is work that is necessary. But it is work that if we'll respond to, God, why am I going through these trials? What are you trying to teach me? Like, I don't want to have to learn from a million things, God. I want, to, I want to see what you're doing right now, and I want to respond in grace. God, I want to respond in repentance. I want to be changed by your grace. God, I want to be mature and complete in you. He who began a good work in you, he will see it through to the day of completion. Has he began that work? And if he hasn't, this morning you respond in repentance and faith to the good news of the gospel that that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us in our place, that there was nothing that we could do, right? The work is done. There was nothing that we could do to earn our salvation. And in his mercy and in his love, God the Father gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe and trust in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. You can respond in repentance and faith and be born again this morning. To be changed from the inside out. To be saved and part of the family of God. And he begins that good work in you. And he will see it to completion in Christ. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. I thank you that in these moments, Father, that, uh, Lord, in in the power of your word, God, we've been able, God, to just see your greatness to see that the work has been done, Lord, that through the cross of Christ, that, Lord, there is no more work for us to do to earn salvation. There is no more work for us to do. But, God, we respond to the work that has been done, and we respond in surrender. We respond in in repentance, Lord. I pray if if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, that has never uh, trusted in you for salvation, and as they examine their life, they would say, you know what? It's fake on the outside. It may look good, but on the inside, I'm broken, and I need to be restored. And there is only one 
who can take and, and restore. God, we recognize, Lord, we are the clay. Lord, you are the potter. Lord, make us, inform us, and repair us, and help us. And use us, God, for the glory of your name. Lord, help us to be fit vessels for the progress of the gospel. Lord, not because we're good, but because you are good. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray, God, that you would help all of us respond in obedience to you this morning in whatever way uh, you speak to our lives. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. Will you stand uh, with me this morning?